Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. I am in the Casa de Newburgh today. Uh, thank you for having me, Josh. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, this is uh, everything that I thought it was going to be. There's like a bookshelf with like five books. Uh, it smells like incense in here. Hey, it's pretty it, much exactly I, I what think I thought. you thought it would smell a little bit different than it does. <laughs> Let's just say it that way. It's actually nice and clean and tidy, so that, that's nice. But it, it's uh, nice digs here, and I appreciate the hospitality. I'm in St. Pete covering the, uh, the East-West Shrine game. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about a deep breath, everyone. The coaching staff at Florida State is complete. First, yeah. a round of applause for Josh, who, man, you freaking nailed uh, pretty much everything along the way. Uh, are you relieved that it's done? Or are you kind of kind of sad? Because you, you, it was good numbers. Well, I mean, this coaching search has been like my little buddy that's been you know <laughs> nagging at, at my hip for the last, what, seven, eight weeks? I don't know. When did we really start this? Like the uh, week after Thanksgiving? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, if we're talking about with the whole, yeah, since Willie Taggart, and, well, since Jimbo Fisher. Right, I'm saying um, yeah, it was the, week. the whole search, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, it, it feels like it's been, this is pretty much, uh, for you specifically, I mean, yeah, the, the Jimbo and Willie stuff consumed my life, and then once the assistant coaches kind of started, that's your realm, and that's mm. your strength, and you took it and ran with it, so I can only imagine, but it seems like this has been going on for like six months yeah it's only been a month yeah. and a half probably yeah so it came to a close last night with the hires of walt bell and david kelly um that rounds out the staff so kind of take it back like a week when Florida state interviewed mike loxley originally we thought that mike was going to be coming in for and willie thought this willie thought that mike was coming in to interview for the wide receiver job and then he was going to hire a safeties coach in lance gidry then Mike came in, and they had such a great meeting, and and really developed a relation, a trusting relationship. I don't think Willie knew Mike that well, and and vice versa. But also Willie didn't really want to trust anyone else with the quarterback job. And during the meeting, I think two things happened. One, Willie realized that Mike was a guy that he could trust handling the quarterbacks, and two. Willie realized that in order to land a guy like Mike, he's going to have to up the ante. And a wide receiving job compared to a quarterback job for somebody that has higher aspirations is big. Mm -hmm. Because you don't really see a lot of guys going from the wide receiver position to a head coach. Or, you know, quarterbacks, if you're an offensive guru, you got to have your hand on the quarterbacks. And it was impressive to see Willie go from a staunch position of I'm coaching quarterbacks, I'm the OC, to realizing that in order for me to make this work and get a guy that I want, I'm going to have to give up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not giving up play calling, but he is giving up the quarterback position. So fast forward to um, the, the negotiation process with Mike started dragging because Brian Dable left Alabama, and that vacancy created an issue for... For Willie, because um, Loxley was going to wait on that. So in the meantime, I think with the idea that, okay, I'm willing to give up the quarterback job, Willie went looking at other guys that excited him and quickly settled on Walt Bell. Um, Walt Bell was never brought in. I confirmed this this morning. Uh, what's today? Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. I confirmed it this morning that Walt Bell did not come in for an official interview. Nor and I said from the, you know a couple of days ago I don't think he needed to. Um, Willie and Walt did speak a lot on the phone, even you know going back to I put the news out Sunday 
that Walt Bell was now in play. And I believe that Willie was probably talking to him about two days prior to that. So probably heading into the weekend. Mike Loxley came in on Wednesday. Willie didn't get an answer. I'm willing to bet that he probably reached out to Walt Bell on Friday, definitely by Saturday. Um, And also spoke to a lot of people around Walt and, and got a feel for who he is as a coach and a recruiter. So um, once he was comfortable with that, you know, he, he, he gave Locks a little bit more time, but by Tuesday, you know, the offer went out to Walt Bell, and um, I think it was a no-brainer for him to join the Seminoles. So that, that's how that one shakes down, and I think what stands out to me about that, Josh, is you know, Willie Tarrant comes to Florida State, and one of his perceived strengths is that he is super malleable and, and flexible, and he's willing to, to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, for him to give up quarterbacks as part of this to get a quality and uh, to get that final assistant on staff to get a quality guy. Um, and then for the second hire that was you know, confirmed yesterday that you confirmed, which was David Kelly as the wide receivers coach, that wasn't necessarily what he was mm-hmm. brought in to be. And you'll get into that in, in, a, in a minute, but he has a ton of experience doing that, mm-hmm. uh, showing Willie's ability to adapt. Is that what you, uh, throughout this process, is that what we saw? Yeah. Was, uh, things didn't go according to plan and he found a new plan that he liked to maximize the staff. Yeah. And I got to, this is a, I've been waiting to tell this story and I didn't know where to tell this story. I didn't know whether to put it in writing or do it on a podcast, but here's another kind of behind the scenes story of Willie Taggart adapting. When he got to Fort to, when he got to USF, he came in with um, the knowledge of the Stanford offense and, and, and everything that they do with the power run game and, 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 and the great offensive line play. And when he arrived at USF, I mean, that's what he knew. And that's what he was going to try to implement. And they won two games their first the year. The offensive line play wasn't great. <laughs> right. And, you know, from the get-go, I always said, I didn't think Willie Taggart was a great fit at USF. Because at the time, nobody in Florida was running a spread. Um, at USF, you're never going to get great offensive line play. And I knew that that's what his Stanford offense was predicated on. And I'm sitting here thinking, why would they hire Willie Taggart when they could hire somebody that's going to run wide open spread mm-hmm. that nobody else recruiting these guys, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, Willie Taggart wasn't succeeding, especially on the offensive side of the ball at USF. And I, and I, and I had a coach on that staff tell me this offseason about how the Gulf Coast offense came to be. And it came to be because Quentin Flowers, Marlon Mack, and Dearness Johnson – uh, went into Willie Taggart's offense, <clears throat> office while that team was struggling. And they told Willie that they can make plays if they're given the opportunity to. And if they can get in space, then they can, then they can take over. And this offense can work. So Willie you know, met with those guys. They left his office. And what Willie Taggart did next was the incarnation of the Gulf Coast offense. Mm-hmm. He spread it out. He took their advice, he spread it out, but maintained a lot of those power concepts of running the football mm-hmm. and adapted, just like what we're talking about right now. And and how many coaches, you know, especially when you're young and you only know one thing, like how many coaches are really, are really willing to go back to the drawing board and rework what you know? And I think that, you know, that's really impressive to me. It, it's fun that you, you mentioned that. That's one of the reasons why I'm in St. Pete was to talk to some of the USF guys in person. There was about four of them 
uh, at the East West Shrine game and Quentin Flowers and uh, Dearness Johnson were two of them. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys you mentioned, Gulf Coast offense, the, the smile that popped up on both of their faces because they both understand what that did for their careers. And, yeah. and that's, that's an interesting aspect that, that they were the ones who brought it up. Um, I know they had both told Willie that they were more comfortable in that type of offense. That's what they played in high school and that's what they wanted to continue doing at the college level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a coach to put his ego aside... Uh, and say we're not going to do what, and, and this has parallels to what the previous you know people have seen the last few years at Florida State not work well is not adapting to your strengths, not being able to put right. things aside. Um, so so yeah, and as that applies to the coaching, and that also leads me to believe you know Willie's going to continue to do continue, that. So we say yeah. so like when people say, well James Blackman doesn't fit Willie's offense. Well James Blackman might might not fit what we've seen yeah. of Willie's offense, but. Knowing what we know, Willie's offense is built to adapt to the players, yep. not the players adapt to his yep. system. Willie's offense is about maximizing mm-hmm. what he has. That's at college, in high school, you can't pick what you have. I mean, some play people recruit, but you've got what you have in, mm-hmm. in your district, typically. Uh, college is a little less than that. You can go and pick guys and recruit, but you don't have like an endless budget, typically, and you have certain areas you have to maximize and work with. Uh, in the NFL, you can pick whoever you want to pick right. you know, for the most part. I mean, you go ahead and you get a guy and off the scrap pile that fits your scheme. College, you have to be more adaptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that Willie can do that scheme-wise is impressive. Uh, but as this applies to him and his coaching, we saw that firsthand, the coaching search. I remember talking to you, Josh, and things you know, off record or things that, that you're telling me before you're reporting them. And I'm thinking, like, man, he doesn't necessarily – Willie doesn't have the game plan. And then I have to remind myself that his game plan is get the best – fits available and right. sometimes that fit changes and, and as which we, leads us to david kelly yes and that and leads us to david kelly and, and my experience with david kelly is I, I covered him you know closely when he was at ucf and he's a guy that i've always uh, admired his ability to be a versatile guy mm-hmm. he, he would he would maximize whether it was a two-star recruit or if he was getting a four-star guy uh, at wide receiver and he put ucf in a really great position to have success in that 2013 season even though he wasn't part of the team anymore uh, that Fiesta Bowl run that they went on with Blake Bortles, he didn't recruit Bortles, but every guy that he was throwing the ball to or handing the ball off to was a uh, David Kelly. Well, recruit. yeah, and David actually did recruit Bortles. Um, one of the first times I ever met David Kelly, I still I remember this vividly. Um, I was at the UCF 7-on-7. Seven seven. It was probably like 09 maybe, 10, I don't know. And I was working for Elite Scouting Services. I was with Fish, maybe a lot of the members of the site no fish from other message boards but um we we're standing there we we're in the indoor facility middle of summer dave kelly's wearing full sweats as i'll always, never forget that's that all he does you'll see him jogging around Florida yeah, State not windbreakers like i mean cotton yeah. sweats in the middle of summer and we're indoors where it's super humid and we're watching um a team play who i thought had a pretty good tight end prospect and um david kelly was just Really excited about this kid, but not for the same reasons I was. I thought Blake Bortles was a tight end prospect, <laughs> and Kelly was telling me and Fish how this kid is their top guy. He's it. He's their, you know, and I was just like, okay, nobody else in the country sees it, but, you know, I guess UCF has to do what UCF has to do, and, you know, that was Blake Bortles that we were watching. So He has an amazing, I mean... A.J. Boye was his baby mm-hmm. and has gone on to be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Brashad Perryman was another two-star guy from Georgia that he found uh, that no one else, I think, even offered and ends up being a first-round pick. So that was yeah. kind of 
Uh, so originally, we kind of expected him to, uh, I think some are calling it like a GM role, mm-hmm. uh, to be kind of an evaluator, and he's really good at that. Uh, but lo and behold, that's not yeah. what it ends So that's one of the difficulties of covering this coaching search with Willie is that the fact that he is open to making it work. And what happened, I owe you guys a backstory on this because I did tell you, say that um, I would explain the wide receiver coaching hire. Um, it kind of took a couple different turns. Originally, yeah, Jamarcus Shepard was going to be the guy. And um, it looked like he was going to be the guy. But then when Mike Loxley came in, and interviewed, Willie Taggart went in a different direction. Willie was going to hire Mike, and he had said he wanted diversity on his staff, so he's going to hire Mike at QB and then hire a white wide receiver coach. Um, that's why I said, you know, when there's a new turn, and I said when the hire is made, you guys will understand it mm-hmm. because I thought, you know, that's what the plan was. Um, then the Mike Loxley stuff didn't work out, and he turns to Walt Bell is the QB OC, Walt's white, and no longer needed to make that hire at wide receiver. So Taggart had been on the road in Seattle and LA, and he had brought David Kelly with him on the road. And he knows David really well. But what I was told was in this situation, he really saw David and his ability to recruit and yep. thought that he could maximize his ability to recruit by having him on the road. Um, and, you know, Brendan knows this too. David really wants to get back on the field coaching too. So you got David's real passion about coaching wide receivers. He wants to do it. Couple that with what Willie saw with David on the recruiting trail. And again, he made a kind of a change in direction there. So while I thought... It was going to be, you know, I never really knew who it was going to be at wide receiver. I thought I had a, a good grip on it. But once the Walt Bell hire was made, um, David Kelly had elevated himself in Taggart's eyes over, the, over those couple days. And Willie wanted him on the, on the recruiting trail and on the field. So, and and that's, that's Kelly's strength. Yeah. Yeah, for a guy that has a lot of, a lot of strengths and brings value to the staff, he'd been, excuse me, at 61 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when he was, and I'll stop talking about UCF because I know people, this isn't, <laughs> but well, this is my reference yeah. point, is that he got UCF into inner city Miami. Now, at the time, that staff was led by George O'Leary, and George, for all his strengths, was never going to get into inner city Miami. Right. He just just a old school, and he liked up in New York, and he had ties to Georgia, and he was uncomfortable in Georgia, and he barely recruited Orlando. Uh, but David Kelly, over years earn the trust of people in inner city Miami. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, how hard it is to get a foot, you know, to get your footprint as part of mm-hmm. that because people from, from that area happen to be particularly distrusting of people from outside the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went and got Jeff Godfrey, who at that time, that was the quarterback was undersized. And I think Florida state offered as like a wide receiver. And a lot of programs offered him as like a wide receiver DB. Um, they offered him as a quarterback at UCF, and w- with him came Josh Reese, who was a four-star wide receiver, and they ended up getting a handful of guys from Miami Central and, and ended up building a pipeline to Miami for a few years, and that gave right. him a ton of athletes. But but the fact that the, the moral of the story is that he got uh, that program into Miami, uh, and within a couple of years of saying, this is what I want to do, he did it. Uh, and, and I think that shows what he's capable of doing, the kind of inroads he's able to make not just recruits, and he's great in the home, but also with the people around the recruits. Too. Yeah, and one of the character characteristics of this staff 
is recruiting, and, it, and that starts at the top with Willie Taggart mm-hmm. and what he's looking for. He, he understands that no matter how good of a coach you are, if you don't have the dogs, mm-hmm. if you don't have the talent, then you're not going to succeed. Yep. And at the end of the day, he needs guys that can coach, but he needs guys that can go out and get him dudes, get him difference makers, get him program changers, franchise like, type Sound players. like a Dazio, some dudes. <laughs> and, you know, that's what he also looks for in every one of these hires, guys that can get out there and recruit. And, and that we're going to go down the line of the coaches and kind of go over what the – sorry, I should have set that up earlier. But we are going to go down the list of what the entire coaching staff looks like. But you're going to see uh, – let's start doing that now. You're going to see a common theme emerge as we look at the coaches. Uh, and one of those is going to be Florida recruiting guys. So starting off at you know, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, we have Walt Bell. We, yeah, we talked about him. Um, he's going to be a guy that we don't know a whole lot about. I mean, we know he has DMV ties, and he'll recruit that area well. But he's the quarterback coach. He's going to have a lot of responsibilities on the field. So I think he's going to be more of a spot recruiter on offense and go after quarterbacks and be kind of a specialist and kind of handle um, things all over. Mm -hmm. Um, But the biggest thing with Walt Bell is just getting the logo right. And everybody that I've talked to, coaches, um, you know, other analysts in in our field that have known Walt Bell, they all think he's going to be a great recruiter. They all think he has the characteristics to be a great recruiter and all he needs is that logo and now he's got it they think he's gonna be a head coach right Right. i mean that's a guy that has head coaching material yeah his background if memory serves is atlanta i think is kind of where most of you look up and look at his bio where most of his recruits came from atlanta area uh he's from tennessee uh played football at middle tennessee state i think he started as a quarterback moved to wide receiver so he's a guy with southern ties Mm -hmm. uh and like you said a spot recruiter maybe doesn't have a certain area we're still trying to map out where the recruiting map's going to be but uh, bright young mind, heard a lot of really good things. Um, so now we move to running back coach, Dante Pippleton, one of the first guys to be announced under uh, Willie Taggart. And he's a guy that is – he's a Willie guy. I mean, he, yeah. he, he's been with Willie since I think they played at Western I Kentucky think they played together. together yeah. uh, so he's a guy that uh, – running back is typically a position that goes to a, a coach who's a really good recruiter. Now, at the previously, Jay Graham was there. And Jay was fine. I think he was good. He was good in North Carolina. But his strength wasn't – being an adult right. recruiting now, Pimpleton. Um, Pimpleton kind of takes over the Tim Brewster role. Yeah. Like I think Pimp will do what, take over any recruitment he needs to. Um, he can get into any area recruit. He's good in Atlanta. He's good in South Florida. He's good in. He's good. Whatever. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll kind of be a roaming guy, and I think he'll take on the all the big recruitments, or at least have a hand in all the big recruitments. Yeah, and and he's I mean. It, he coached Marlon Mack at USF, and you know, Marlon was a really good talent. And I think anyone who was going to be coaching him was probably going to do something well mm-hmm. with him. But but still, proven proven guy that can coach that position. Uh, tight end coach Telly Lockett. He was actually the first guy announced. Uh, so again, this isn't that's not a new name, but uh, we know what Telly can do recruiting South. Florida. Yeah, he's, I mean Telly's going to be you know the primary South Florida recruiter. He coached at Miami Central. He's recruited uh, the Miami area everywhere he's been. No brainer. That's what he was brought in to do: recruit Miami. I'm curious to see what he does coaching tight ends. Yeah, most guys are kind of interchangeable of uh, offensive position coaches, wide receiver, tight end, yep. running, running back. back. But uh, but that's new for him, and his background's always been running back. So that's something that's going to be a little bit different. But mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of concern there. Uh, now moving on to offensive line coach Greg Fry. Man, that that maybe if you look at all these hires, to me. Well, it's going to be close. That might be the best hire, at least on paper, in terms of fit, in terms of how important that position was and mm-hmm. how, 
how little they've gotten out of it the last few years. That's a position they had to nail, and, and I think they, they nailed it. Yeah. So Greg, um, he's from Clearwater High School. He went, you know, he's from the St. Pete, Tampa area. He coached at USF for some time. He has strong ties to the Tampa area. Um, but while he was at USF, I, always, I also know that he recruited the Panhandle. He was the one that went to Pine Forest and found George Selvey, who went on to be a star at USF. Um, he recruited Orlando area for Michigan, but also from his time at Indiana, Michigan, West Virginia, he also got in the Midwest and started developing relationships with big men, offensive linemen throughout the Midwest. Uh, and I think that's where his value really comes in now at FSU. Um, he has all the ties that you need to Florida, and I'm sure he'll have a portion of Florida. I don't know if he'll have the Tampa area per se. He could. Um, he might have some of the panhandle. But, you know, I think he'll have the ability to recruit offensive linemen nationally, and that's where that's where his real value comes in. And scheme-wise, I think we're – I mean, it kind of, it's going to depend on what – what Willie ends up running, but he's was at West Virginia under Rich Rodriguez when they were doing the, mm-hmm. the zone read stuff. So he could do zone blocking at Michigan this past year. They were doing what they call it man ball and the the power stuff. So a uh, guy again, you know, being versatile uh, is going to be important. Uh, we already went over David Kelly's background yeah. at wide receiver coach. Don't have to go too much back into that. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball um, and maybe the, the second biggest hire, arguably the biggest, along with Greg Fry, in my opinion. Uh, was Harlan Barnett at defensive coordinator. Uh, and that, an interesting background too, right? How that, that kind of came to be? I yeah. Know, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Uh, yeah. Just tell me about Harlan Barnett. That's an interesting story. If you ever uh, see me in person and we're having beers, you can ask me there. But anyway, Harlan Barnett <laughs> is a, uh, he's been at Michigan State ever since I've known him. I've known him since about the time he arrived there, like 07. And the reason that I know Harlan Barnett is because he always recruited Tampa for Michigan State and I would see him you know sometimes on the sidelines at games and we'd talk all the time and from time to time we would um, converse over the phone not very often but just from time to time and the thing that stood out to me with Harlan is um, he was just always very organized uh, always very direct seemed very genuine never heard a bad word about him on the recruiting trail from other coaches or kids Um, he did come in and make Michigan State a player and did land some talent out of the Tampa Bay area um, I don't expect him to recruit Tampa Bay just because there's so many strong recruiters on that staff. Uh, he'll probably do a little bit of walking around too, just kind of recruiting defensive backs all over the country, taking the lead on those. Uh, and then he also has ties you know, to the Midwest because that's where he comes from. And Michigan State had to recruit nationally. There's not a ton of talent in the state of Michigan, not enough to fill the whole team. So he's got a variety. I mean, he'll he'll be used where needed, but more than not, he'll just kind of have a hand in all these recruitments. And the over, kind of the overriding thing that we've heard about, about Harlan Burnett so far is he's he is a player's coach. Guys love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like almost to a T, everyone. It was overwhelming to me how many former players stood up and congratulated him yeah. on social media. And, and, and so you're kind of seeing a blend of uh, someone who's going to be able to recruit who's going to be able to connect with his players and be a mentor. That's something that Willie Taggart talked about wanting uh, in his press conference a couple of weeks ago uh, before early signing period or right after early signing period, I should say. Uh, so he has you know that to his resume. And then Michigan State's defense was really, really good this year. And they typically have been really good. They had one down season when he was a coordinator and they had a really young team. 
uh, kind of revamped and, and we're right back at it again. So they run a really aggressive scheme. I think that's what they're going to do at Florida State, kind of a cover four uh, that allows your cornerbacks to be just, just really aggressive and everyone else to, to be that as well. So it's a good fit uh, in that sense. So that's exciting, I think, if you're Florida State. Uh, moving down the list, uh, we got Odell Hagens, that defensive tackle coach. We don't have to go into his background, but man, just that was significant. To be able to keep him, if there was one guy yeah. on that previous staff you had to keep, it was going to be Odell, right? Yeah, he's going to pass on that Florida State culture that's been there for forever under Bowden. Mm-hmm. And he's going to, you know, hold those guys accountable the way that he's always done. Um, recruiting, I don't think anything's going to change with Odell. He's going to still take the Lakeland area, uh, the DMV area. He gets into parts of Georgia. You know, Odell's going to be fine. We don't, we know what we're getting out of Odell. There's no, there's no question marks there in his ability to recruit, which is also one of the reasons why he was held on. Maybe it's because he's been at Florida State so long, but when I go, was going through and looking at the ages for the age store, like he's only 50 years old. Yeah. He's, he's, it's a gray beard in the fact that he's been at Florida State for and, and the knee surgeries. Yeah, he does. He walks a little slower, too. Um, he's just got kind of a folksy nature to him. Um, okay, a new name on the list is Mark Snyder. Came uh, with Harlan Barnett from Michigan State. Uh, that name's familiar to you guys, and it was to me at first when, when I first heard it. I was like, oh, that's the guy from, uh, it was Marshall. Mm-hmm. He was head coach at Marshall for about four years. Yeah. Uh, um, for, Josh, take the lead there. Yeah. So I'll, when he was at Marshall, I know he he really recruited the South Florida area real hard. Um, he was a known guy to get down into Miami and land kids. Uh, then he left Marshall, or whatever his tenure at Marshall ended <laughs> and he was at USF crossed paths with me for two years. I got to know Mark Snyder and the thing that stood out about him was always his intensity, uh, his enthusiasm, just his passion for evaluating, recruiting, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator at USF for two years under Skip Holtz and then got the job at Texas A&M as the DC before heading out to uh, Michigan state. So when it comes to recruiting, uh, Mark can kind of do it all. He's a veteran. He can get into Miami if needed. I don't know if they'll use him in Miami, but he has those ties. He knows the lay of the land. He spent some time in Tampa. I don't think he'll be needed in Tampa because there's so many guys on the staff that can recruit Tampa. Um, but he was also at Texas A&M, a state that I don't think FSU is going to let go of totally. I think they're going to stay in there and still recruit some talent. And then, you know, he was at Michigan State. So another one that has a lot of flexibility in, in his usage at, on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. That's a, a common theme that's emerging here. Speaking of uh, being versatile and useful on the recruiting trail, Raymond Woody, a linebacker coach. Uh, that is another Willie Taggart guy uh, who's kind of been with him at a, a couple different places now. Uh, is actually from the same area that, mm-hmm. that Willie is from, a little bit older, I think, but from, from the same uh, – uh, Bradenton area that, that Willie is and, and a really good recruiter and a good evaluator and uh, someone that has ties to recruiting Tampa, Southwest Florida, right? Yeah, I would expect, and you know, right now he's been recruiting Miami for Oregon. Well, not right. So at, right now he's <laughs> actually in South Florida recruiting for Florida State. He's got American Heritage where Pat Sertain and Tyson Campbell are and Andrew Chatfield. Um, so he's he's kind of taken over those guys um, in that role. So he, he's got experience there now. But I fully expect him to probably have the Tampa down in Naples area. Um, he was at IMG a lot. He knows that area. But, yeah, I think he'll have Southwest Florida and maybe up into Tampa. Um, Woody also recruited a lot of California for, for Willie. Um, he's the one that had the relationship with Cameron McDonald. And... Um, 
I kind of expect him to be all over the place too, but I do think, you know, we'll see him heavy in Southwest Florida and up into Tampa. All right. Who do we have next on the list? Is Alonzo Hampton. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was kind of, that was another example of Willie's uh, being, being flexible, kind of trying to figure out and peg where this guy was going to be. We weren't sure if it was going to be with the secondary or special teams, special teams, right? But he can kind of roam around and do a little bit of, of everything. Right. And Hampton is coming in to be a recruiter. Um, he was a head coach in Georgia, so I expect him to have a lot of territory in Georgia for, for this staff. Maybe not necessarily Atlanta, Georgia, but maybe the rest of the state. Um, but Hampton's young. He's energetic as well. He's a recruiter. He can get in and, and, and talk, talk the talk as good as any of them. Um, so, you know, once he hits the road... He, you know, his job is to deliver mm-hmm. on the recruiting trail, and you know that's what he's going to do. Uh, I think, from my interactions with the fan base, that's the hire that people are the least excited about because he doesn't have a ton of experience. But um, I'll say this: I made sure to ask some of the USF players this this week about mm-hmm. Alonzo, and, and the common thing that I heard was that he uh, that they they really like playing for him because. He uh, he gets on the ground level with them, and he's he'll do work and practice. He's I, energetic. Uh, he's a guy that players are going to enjoy playing for. I think. I I got to watch him up close and personal. Mm-hmm. Um, after the USF staff went to Oregon, Alonzo was left behind for a while, so he came out and coached his son on on my seven on seven team, Team Tampa. Um, he was there every week working Shameless with the DBs. Plug. Yep. Hey, we got tryouts this weekend too. <laughs> Any kids out there that want to come out? Maybe and... Chris Nee will go cover that for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get Chris down there to cover that. Um, but yeah, he was there every week, real, you know, real fiery, uh, going through drills with the kids, showing them, working with them on the sideline, just you know, volunteering to do it because he loved it. So he ended up getting on with Oregon later that summer. He was hired, I believe, in June or July as a defensive analyst. Um, so his hire still hasn't been announced. I'm not quite sure why, but I'm no very... one has aside from three or four. Okay. So, so I think what Willie, slow. I think what Willie wants to do is announce them all at once. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh. And that also means we're not getting the contracts or anything like that. So there's going to be a big news dump uh, mm-hmm. probably on Friday, I'd imagine, at 5 p.m. or so to roll around. Uh, all right. So that's the coaching staff. Uh, as we kind of wrap this up, general thoughts here of of what common themes are. Uh, to me, I think the first thing is you see all those Florida ties with mm-hmm. the recruiting, right? Is, is that almost yeah. everyone has a foot or has some grasp of being able to recruit the state, and that's going to come in handy. Yeah, I can tell you now, a lot of the coaches that people asked about at Oregon, like Arroyo and Michael Johnson, and, and Will, is Willie going to hire Michael Johnson as QB coach or, or wide receiver coach? And those guys were not hired, not because of anything else, but just because of their um, recruiting ties. They're West Coast guys. That's where their ties are. That's where their experience is. <laughs> And Willie's Willie, recruiting the shit out of California right now. Yeah, he but I don't is. know how long that lasts. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> that's just because that's where their relationships are. And, yeah. um, you know, there's a with the early signing period, the pool of talent that you can go land is, is slim. Mm-hmm. And you got to go with what you got right now because there's only a month left. And um, at the end of the day, you got to win Florida. And I, and I know that, uh, you know. I know that they want to go out and win Florida in recruiting. Yeah, that's that's their goal. Yeah. I think maybe the old staff kind of got away from that a little bit, and they wanted to go out and win Texas and win 
you know, some of these other states. They wanted to go land that should be supplementary. The number one wide receiver out of Michigan and Donovan Peoples Jones, and they wanted to land, you know, some guys maybe out of their comfort zone. And what happens is a lot of times is the local teams are going to get those guys because kids end up staying closer to home. More often than not. So I think the the focus will be back at in-state Georgia, um, Alabama to an extent, but that's that's the makeup of the staff, and you can tell that's going to be the direction of recruiting. So here's why I, I like that, not just because you know, recruiting Florida sounds mm-hmm. sounds good, because it always is going to sound good if you're Florida State or Florida or Miami. You always want to put you know put a, a fence around your your area, so to speak. Um, but right now, the way that recruiting is going to shake out the next few years is is you're going to have to recruit Florida well, because that's a, one of the main southeast states that still has. Uh, room for room room to go. Georgia, right. man, no one's going into Georgia right now, and <laughs> uh, picking who they want from from Georgia. Maybe Alabama is going to be. So you have Alabama, you have Georgia, you have Clemson, all kind of uh, clicking right now on all cylinders. Yeah. So it's going to be tough to go into other regions in the southeast and other states to go and pick who you want. I've been here's here's the exact quote that I've been told directly: If we win Florida, we win. Yep. And, and it, it's going to fit in what I... Damn, that should give you chills, guys. I'm not even a Florida State fan. That gives me freaking chills. Um, if you go and you get those guys from Florida, that means speed. Mm-hmm. And Willie Taggart wants to go right. fast. So that's it's, it's like what UCF did at, this past year with, with Scott Frost the last couple of years. You're maximizing your recruiting base. Florida State didn't do that under Jimbo Fisher. Uh, it, it just didn't happen towards the end. Mm-hmm. It, he did originally, and that's probably why they won a championship in 2013, or a big portion why. It just didn't happen. So... Uh, that's the main thing. I think you look at the staff. I think you see uh, it's a younger group. We did the math uh, with probably some mathematical errors because I was the one doing it. But more or less, it's about a decade difference. Uh, the previous staff under, Flor- under Jimbo Fisher was 54, and this one is 45. Uh, so they're yep. younger. Uh, I think that helps. Uh, Big time. Right, because you have younger guys interacting with high school yeah, like and, and it's just sense. the emphasis is back on recruiting. Yeah. And not to say, like, I, let's just be honest. You could see Jimbo shift away from that. The, mm-hmm. the first staff that Jimbo brought in compared to the last staff that Jimbo had. I mean, the dynamics were just completely different, and the emphasis was different, and it starts at the top. Not to throw Jimbo under the bus. Just no, do speaking, it. Do it. Not just speaking on, like, any company culture. Yeah. It all starts at the top. And yeah. with Willie coming in, he has the same mentality that Jimbo had coming in. He's a stone-cold killer on the recruiting trail. And I think you're going to see similar results. That's well said, Josh. Uh, the, the, only, the only other thing I can really think of with the coaching staff that, that stands out to me is like that this group, it, they get younger. Um, and they get guys that are really good recruiters. They get a lot of good experience still with coaches. It's not They're not sacrificing... Uh, X's and O's to get recruiters. Uh, and that's kind of what, what Jimbo Fisher's original staff was. A lot of guys who were just straight-up recruiters, and X's and O's were kind of secondary. Right. Uh, Holler and Barnett, man, is known as a really good teacher and a good play caller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Walt Bell, by all accounts, is a young, upcoming uh, a coach who's going to implement up-tempo and RPO and a lot of the, the new-age offensive stuff. Uh, Greg Fry, David Kelly, these are guys who have been coaching their positions at a very high level and producing NFL caliber players for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the guys who are more recruiters, like a Dante Pimpleton, a younger guy. You have a Telly Lockett. That's I think the main appeal is that he can recruit. But but it's a blend of coaches, and I 
I think that's nice and that it's refreshing. So you want my grade on the coaching staff? I don't. I really don't care. Everybody uh, wants But everyone grade. wants a grade. I'm going to give it. I'm not going to go into a huge explanation because we just kind of ran down the entire staff. I'm going a B plus. And the reason why I say it's a B plus is because you don't have a ton of proven experience. Like I believe in these guys and I think that they're individually great hires on paper, but they haven't necessarily proven it on their own. So therefore I give it a B plus um, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, it's an A, there's no doubt about it. Um, but overall, I'm just going to give it a B plus. Before you said that, I thought of mine. What was it, yours? It was going to be an A minus. It was okay. about the same. Uh, and it's the same reasons. There's a lot of unknowns and unknowns. Anytime you're making a hire, like you don't know for sure how it's going to go. Right. And on paper, like you, you can say this makes a ton of sense and it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. And sometimes there's weird hires that, that do work out and it doesn't seem like it's going to make sense. It's just, you know, like I didn't think Willie Taggart was going to do great in Oregon and he turned him around in one year. Like he, sometimes it works if it doesn't make sense yeah. on paper. Um, but in this case, I think it all, all those stars kind of aligned for Florida State to get a really nice staff. It was, um, it's upgraded. I think you look at what the staff was last year to what it is now, especially at the positions they needed to get better at. Offensive line, defensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, uh, and maybe linebackers coach. Those four are areas that had been hurt, hurting the last few years that you weren't maximizing either as a recruiter or a position coach at, at those areas. They're all better. I think they're better at every single one of those. Uh, and I'm starting to lose confidence because I can tell Josh is starting to not pay as much attention. He's, he's getting lost in the ADHD right now. So I think that's going to be a good time to wrap this up. Do you have anything else on the, on the coaching hires you want to add? No, just uh, you know, listen to the big three roll-up. <laughs> It'll be out Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Two shameless plugs in one podcast. There you go. All right, guys. Thanks for joining the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I think we're going to try to come back later this week uh, before the official visits. Well, at least Chris will come in if, if you want to. Josh, too, you can. Maybe you two can do it. I won't do it because I'm traveling go. back home. So, anyways, guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.